Welcome back, everybody, buddy, 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 buddy. The Fadeaway. Okay, so we're going to rename this podcast to the Milk and Soup Podcast. The Milk Soup. Can I get a little cookie? Milk and Soup. All I want is a little cookie. Okay. With my milk. I don't know where Bradshaw living. Like, he just lives. A brownie, maybe? Can I get a brownie? This life of life. Can I get something sweet, please? Like, this is the only place he gets his food from, like, prepackaged Boston Pizza Moo. Who goes to the store and buys soup? You don't buy soup. You buy ingredients for soup. You buy some broth. Not even broth. Maybe make your own broth. Buy some spices. Who buys bu- me- who's a who buys prepackaged soup? Who's buying this soup? This guy is so out of touch with reality. He thinks you go to the store and just buy soup. Do you buy soup? No, I don't no buy one soup. Buy soup. I don't buy soup. I think you bought. You think your parents bought soup in the eighties? Yeah, I know. Like maybe when you were a kid, you went to Costco and like you bought the four hundred thousand. I'm trying of, to like, think. Soup. I'm trying to think of the last time I had a canned soup. Never. I haven't like chunky soup. Like, who, bu- who buys chunky soup? Maybe we're offending a bunch of people who just are yeah, at home maybe. buying chunky soup. But Brad, you living. You make your own soup. Brad, okay, is he, do you think he's a, a, a Campbell's Thick and Chunky guy? or No, uh, sorry. Who makes the Thick and Chunky? Campbell's. Campbell's makes both? Is there even another soup brand? I can. Think I don't of, think there is. I don't is. even think there is. So they make the soup, uh, the Thick and Chunky? They make Chunky. Okay, well then, yeah, there's, there's no way there's another soup brand. Brad, you living, guaranteed he doesn't buy any food. He just literally has like pre-packaged Boston pizza meal this guy, at the ready. There's no way this guy even knows how to cook a meal. No, no. He just has like, like I don't know what the takeout looks like, but it, it's like it's just pre-packaged at the ready. All he's got to do is throw in the microwave Boston pizza instant meal. This motherfucker tries to make himself rice and almost starts the kitchen on fire. He like, goes to the grocery store. I don't even know what's at Boston pizza. And he's like, where's the, uh, where's the chicken pizza? Where's the Thanksgiving pizza? And they're like, what? Oh, this isn't a Boston pizza? I have no idea what I'm talking about. Do you think he goes to Boston pizza and orders a glass of milk? Do you think he goes to an actual grocery store and tries to pay with Boston pizza vouchers? I bet it's like... Is there Boston pizza money? Because guaranteed he's trying to flash Boston pizza money around. I'm pretty sure like 99% of all Calgary Flames players in their in their contracts, there's like a bonus clause that gives them like some sort of Boston pizza shares or coupons or... Well, um, they have Boston pizza no, no, bucks. It wouldn't be shares. It would just be free pizza. Yeah, free pizza. Probably like for your tenure as a Calgary Flame. And then like <laughs> there's like bonus structures. If you hear a certain amount of points, you get like two extra years added on. Mike that. Stone has so many goddamn Boston pizza vouchers. He could eat there for the rest of his life for you free. You know that Michael Stone has a lifetime free for all at Boston pizza. You know. <laughs> oh, Guaranteed. All right. Should we, oh, God. Should we get to something serious Yeah, here? sure. All right. All so right. it's been like a week. Okay, I was but aw- come on. Mel, I mean. What is he talking about? What the hell is that? And like seriously. So if you don't know what Super the hell we're talking milk. about. Come on. Brad was on the fan after the trade deadline shenanigans yesterday. Um, and pretty gave much. A, gave a great analogy. Great analogy like, on how to run a multi-million dollar sports franchise. So if you ever, like I can see this guy. If you ever want to go to Brad Living's business class... Right. At some point in time, he's going to be lecturing in the university halls for sports management. And he's going to have this whole theory about going to the grocery store. That's how you manage your team. I'm trying to pull up the exact quote right now because it was so it was so ridiculous. Like, like I, I, I read it and I read it and I read it and I was like... It's one of those things what? where it's like... The third time I try to read it, I just don't even try. You sent you were telling me about it yesterday. We were doing a live stream, and here it I, is here. I was just like, "What is that for real?" So here's the here's the quote from Bradshaw Living uh, on what happened yesterday at the trade deadline. You come in here, you're either selling and trying to acquire assets, or you're trying to help your team. Where we're at right now, we wanted to see if we could push it. We wanted to go to the room and say, "Look, we're trying our best to help our needs." You know, when you go to the grocery store and you have no milk. But then you get some milk before you go to the grocery store. And now you're running a soup. And now you only have 10 bucks to spend while you buy the soup because you have the milk. What the? We're missing players on the backhand, so we had to buy some soup. And hopefully the milk up front will carry us through. That's sort of how I look at it. Come on. What is that? Come on. Who talks like that? Is What do you think the other GMs in the league are? Like, you know they heard that. Like is, is it, is you it, go to the store for milk, you realize you have milk, is it, and you need soup. Is it just because, what, he's like 20, 30 years older than I am? Is that what this is all about? I have no idea. What is no he sense. talking about? Even as an analogy, it doesn't make sense. 
Okay, so. I don't think he's ever going to live this one down. Dude, that milk and soup, like, I swear to God, we should literally change the name of this podcast to the Milk and Soup Podcast, because that is, that is unbelievable. What is he talking about? This is a guy, is he a lawyer? I don't really know Brad Living's background. No, lawyers don't talk like that. Dude. But there's no way this guy's a lawyer. There's no way he has an MBA because nobody with a half a brain talks about a professional sports team like that. I think maybe a gas station attendant and, might so be more was, accurate Was he on with Pinder and Steinberg when he said this? I, I No, no. It, this he, was some other time. He's in Boston. And nobody is like, what the hell are you talking about? I think a couple of guys were laughing. <laughs> I think even Eric Francis quoted him. And, and underneath that quote, he was like, um, what? What does that mean? Holy shit! If Eric Francis doesn't get that milk and cookies that's, and whatever, that's some that sums up how I feel about Brad as a GM. That quote right there, that milk and ten bucks quote, that, oh that pretty much God. sums it up right there. Okay, so okay, let's, let's, let's back it up here. We're gonna get to the trade deadline stuff that happened yesterday. Let's start there. But we don't want to start there. Oh, that's okay, the fresh. Let's do it. That's fresh. Let's do it. So if you're watching the live stream yesterday, you know I was having a bit of a fit, and I've had some time to calm a bit. down. I've had some time to calm down, and I'm still really goddamn you had a annoyed. Fitbit is what you had. Fitbit. So, if you missed it, I don't think you did, but we'll quickly remind you of what the Calgary Flames did yesterday. So they acquired Derek Forbert. Well, first off, why don't we go with what what have the, what were the needs going into the deadline, dude? What have the needs been for the last six to twelve? Okay, months? let's back it up. Yeah, like I was going to say, let's back it up two years, <laughs> three years. What's been the need of this hockey club? Like, even from what Tree Living has said and what he's been trying to do with the Nazem Kadri trade that fell apart with Jason Zucker, Mark Stone, Taylor Hall, blah, 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 blah. We need a forward. We Everyone knows it. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. We need a forward. So I think most of us heading into this deadline. A, top, a legit top a six A legitimate forward. top six forward. But the thing, the thing that I want to bring up, because I was talking about this yesterday, it looks like some other journalists are even talking about it. Has Mangiapani... Made that an easier, an easier decision to hold off until the off season because the motherfucker third star in the NHL last Holy week. Shit. He was unreal last week. So, but my whole thing is like, I doubt he's going to be able to sustain this, especially while well, he was good in the playoffs well, last year. But I mean, going into the playoffs, it's going to be even a tougher to sustain. But I agree with you that Manjupani, and I think he is a legit top six player. This year, um, though? This year. This can't, okay. We did a podcast in the summer. We did a deep dive into Manjipani and Dubé, and I was, like, super adamant. I was like, okay, this guy is going to have a breakout year. I predicted he would have more points than Lindholm, but a bit of a stretch there. But still, what does this team actually really need? But even if you look at the way we've been breaking down the depth of this roster, we've always wanted to see his backland slot down to third. Exactly. Season. That's what I was going to say. You still need a centerman. You still need a centerman. They've tried Lindholm there. Even if Lindholm is there, that pops open another spot on the right wing. And I, so, curious, I know you said this yesterday, so let's go right there. If you look at all the acquisitions that were available, was there really any you were upset about other than the one we'll bring up? Yeah. But if you look back at last year, we could have had Stone. Yes, we were upset about that. But then when you realize you had to give up Val Mackey and probably Dubé. And that Stone probably wasn't going to sign here. That was probably the biggest sticking point. Yeah. So we're still upset, but we're still rational about it. Yeah. But then you look at what was available yesterday. I think there's pretty pretty much only one guy that was like, he was an absolute 100% slam dunk fit. Perfect fit. And you probably could have got him for not even that much money. Well, for what he went for. That many assets. For what he went for, you could have easily been in on this. So the guy we're talking about is obviously Vincent Trocek from Florida, which I think... He had been in some trade rumors earlier in the week, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I Florida Florida is a weird case to me, man, because yeah. it's like, why are you trading Trocek? Well, what are they doing? Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I mean, you, you just signed Bobrovsky to an insane deal. You're you went after Panarin, you loaded up your blue line with a bunch of guys who aren't that good, and now you're trading Trocek. Like, he's he's a great player. So maybe he wanted out. Well, apparently the 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 rumor is the mandate from ownership was they wanted to cut ten million dollar in salary, so they had they're starting to sell some guys in Florida. So that just to keep their heads above water, you think? Yeah, like they're pretty cheap. <laughs> I don't know why well, they're signing. I don't know why they're signing a goalie to ten at, million dollars. Look at the though. attendance they get. Oh yeah, it's brutal. Look at the la- what was the last time they made the playoffs? How many times they made the playoffs? Oh, they never in made the last the twenty years. Make the playoffs. And I mean, maybe you don't spend twenty million dollars. How much? What did they sign Bobrovsky? Ten million for like eight years? Yeah, that was a little ridiculous. So that's ridiculous. So, firstly, okay, Vincent Trocek. He was what is he? Twenty-seven years old. Twenty. Twenty-six years old. 
right-handed shooting. Excellent defensively. Ex- pr- like, good two-way forward. Puts Top up six good guy, numbers. Puts up good numbers. Well, he's a legit... He's probably even... If he comes on our roster, he's probably your one seed. Oh, for sure. And, he and makes, then that makes it easier to roll with Chucky Mangiapane. Yeah. Kocek as your first line. Exactly. Because if you're looking at your top six right now, because we just talked about this, Mangiapane probably belongs there. Oh, yeah, for the sure. The guy that really... He belongs there more than Backlund. The guy that really needs to slot down in order to really round out your top six is Michael Backlund. Well, he, again... Although he, he has been fire lately, too. But again, lately, but. it comes back to this thing as like, how consistent are these guys going to be going down the stretch? Yeah. Is it sustainable? So, like, when you, again, you look at Charger, 26, right-handed shooting, top six forward, makes under $5 million, under contract for two more years past this. Isn't that exactly what Brad Living has been going on about what he wants? Like, like it couldn't... Oh, he's on a good value it contract. It couldn't be more perfect. He makes 4.75 mil. He's 26. He shoots right. He's a second-line center. Like, is he not way more preferable than Azim Kadri and Jason Zucker? A hundred... Like, he's literally... You couldn't... Create a player with a contract more perfect for the Calgary Flames, what they need. And then you look at what Carolina gave up to get him, and they, they gave up air call. It was an okay third-line centerman who was a UFA at the end of the year. Lucas Walmart, good player, and a couple prospects, which I don't really know much about. But, I mean, you're telling me the Flames couldn't put together a package that's better than that? They easily could have. Like, you're telling me Sam Bennett isn't better than Eric Halla and Mark Jankowski isn't similar to Lucas Walmart and then throw in a prospect and that gets it done, they would get it done, I would say. So it's just, I, I, I'm really, I, I don't know why nobody asked about it. I guess, I don't know if you can, if that would be considered tampering to like say, hey, did you inquire about this player? But it just well, seems no, very I, odd. It sounds like you can. I've heard a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It just, it just seems very odd for a guy who literally fits, seems to fit in perfectly what Brad Living has been saying that he wants, specifically with the under contract. I mean, to steal its term from Jay Feaster, pre-Apex, like before he's turning 27, 28, 29, on a good value deal for pretty much pennies on the dollar. Like, why? Like, what the fuck? It just, it's really shocking to me. And it's like, he, the. and I'm sorry, I'm not letting you talk right now, but I mean, just the thing that we always hear about Brexit, oh, he's in on everything, in on everything, in on everything. Isn't the benefit of being in on everything is that you have like first dibs on guys who like most people don't know are available? Like why? Like I, I'm just so curious as to why he wasn't in on this. Okay, so there's a different. There's a few different scenarios. Let's say maybe he was in on it. If he was, if he was, then you you would think that we would have heard through one of the insiders that Calgary was in on the deal because that's usually what they do. But or maybe they knew he was available, and for whatever reason, maybe they thought he wasn't a fit. I mean, we've talked about this before too, of like. The amount of analytics that we as a fan base are privy to is probably it's a, a very tiny fraction well, yeah, of, of what these NHL clubs have. Um, but on the surface, even like you know a few layers below the surface, I think you're right. It sounds like an absolute slam dunk of a fit. So it is kind of weird, especially. And but maybe the other thing is like we talked about this yesterday in our live, and this has been. I know this has been your argument for since we started the podcast and beyond, well beyond at least the last two years. Does Bradtree Living have a legit vision right. for the team? Because it seems like he's contradicting himself quite a, quite often. I mean, the most obvious example is Michael Stone last year. You're shopping Brody around, and you buy out Michael Stone, and then Valimaki goes down with an injury, and it's like, oh shit, stop stop shopping Brody. Oh shit, re-sign Michael Stone. After we just bought him out two weeks ago. So reactive all the time. So there's different scenarios. And this almost, to me, seems kind of similar. It's like you you publicly announced that you moved Frank Michael Froelich out, what, yeah. six weeks ago? So that you could make some room for another forward. You, for top six you forward. You publicly announced. Preferably under contract. That your needs are in the top six. And you need a top six right shot guy. But you roll into the trade deadline. Your team is floundering a bit. Just keeping your head above water. And then your defense gets decimated temporarily, and now all of a sudden, maybe who who cares? Let's just let's get some D men. Yeah, it's like oh shit, it's the soup analogy. It's like he's been shopping for milk for two years, and then I don't know how he thinks he has milk. Maybe Manji Panny's the milk. I don't fucking know. 
But and he just all of a sudden needs soup because like I, I guess Manji Pond needs the milk. Manji's the milk. Forget so, about bread. Because when you're reading that quote, I was like, wait, wait. Manji's the milk. Where did you get the milk on exactly. the way to the store? Where did the milk come like, this from? This is a key part of the story, Brad. You just kind of left that part out. Like, like if he had gone out yesterday and got Gustafson or Forward and Trocheck, I would have been more than pleased. Because again, like you said, this whole vision thing is like. I, it just do, I like Gustafson. I don't mind Forbert, but it just doesn't make sense in what in the grand scheme of things to me. Yeah. Like it and, just doesn't. And it's and we made this point yesterday too. This is the point I've been making since last year. Deadlines like what pissed me off about what his rationale was of making no deadline splashes last year, even though he was quote unquote in on everything, is that he says we're happy with the team. This is the team that got us here. I think that's bullshit, man. I mean, if you look at all these other teams in your division, in the league, that are that are in the playoff hunt right now, even some of the, well, most of the teams that are actual legit contenders, they're all adding. Well, do you think, why? what has Pittsburgh done in the last 10 years? Why are they adding? Because they believe in their group for real, and they think they can do some damage. So, and listen, if you're going to say that last year, this is where it's just like, you contradict yourself, because you, th- this deadline comes around this year. And it's pretty obvious. It's like this probably isn't the team that's going to make a Stanley Cup run this year. But it would be nice to make the playoffs. But you still don't add. And it's kind of like, sure. Like, can you just say the same reasoning in two completely different situations? So when do you add? consistent to you? So if you don't add to your team when they're a contender, top of the Western Conference, second in the league because you believe in the group, but then you also don't add when they're flirting with a wild card spot and not very good. So then you would assume you must add in the offseason, right? You would think that, but he di- didn't do that. He hasn't done that for two. Like the last significant addition to this team was Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. Which say what you want about the trade, I still am critical of it. But that was the last significant move for this team. That's two years ago. Yeah. Like that's two years ago. Well, and the thing is, is like, this is. I think most of the fan base's primary argument when it comes back to has Tree, Le- Tree Living done a good job with this team or not is everybody comes back to this, Lindholm was a steal. But there's a few things in this trade, and you might as well break it down again because this is a very valid argument. But we talked to Mike Commodore what, four months ago. Yeah, Lindholm was intended to be a third-line centerman on this team and no more than that. Well, I mean, and even from a even from a perspective of Carolina giving him up, like you look at his totals, you look at where he slotted in the lineup. He was brought in to be a third line center behind Michael Backlund, and that's why they sent James Neal was to play on the top line. But Bill Peters, you know, Carolina guy, Lindholm, he gave him the opportunity first. And it, to his credit, I'm not trying to shit on Elias Lindholm, but I'm just saying when you put that's the thing that kind of bugs me if you're like, oh, Trey Living's done a great job. I think if you look at some of his moves in a vacuum, like I was trying to sit, explain this yesterday. If you look at the Gustafson acquisition yesterday in a vacuum, yeah, he's a good player. Yep. He makes this team better. He'll probably help you make the playoffs. You didn't give up too much. It's fine. But if you look at it, if you like take a step back and look at it in a, over a larger period of time, it just is like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Now you're going to roll into the summer with three expiring contract demon like what three what are you, what are you doing four yeah four because uh four or two so it's like you have two defensemen under contract next year like what's the what's gonna what's happening here well and you rewind the clock to last day i mean picked up phantomberg yeah gone like you literally made the exact same trade two years in a row a fourth round pick for a okay defenseman and yet you didn't have the foresight to re-sign phantomberg for what what did you resign for in vancouver well like i think it was like three years at less than a million per something like that but then you freak out and you re-sign Michael Stone after buying him out. Because so you tell me you'd rather have Michael Stone than, than Phantom Bird. Dude, Michael Stone shouldn't even be in the league. There's no way he should be in the league. We've, when the, the proof is in the pudding the last week and a half. And I mean, and that even that was from a reactionary thing. Like, you almost traded TJ Brody and they were like, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a great point. If you, because you, I mean, everybody argues and everybody has their point of view. But if you do, if you take... A lot of Brad Tree Living's work that he's done, put it in a vacuum, then an argument can be made that some of the things he's done have been excellent. Yeah. Some of the things have worked out well. He got, I think he got pretty lucky on the whole Lindholm and a flourishing oh, into totally. a top six legit guy. Yeah. Well, again, that's saved. Like, if Lindholm's a third-line center right now, that trade looks absolutely horrendous because you gave up a Norse-caliber D-man. 
I know yeah. Adam Fox wasn't going to play here. Stop telling me that. I realized that. But the Hurricanes were able to get a second and a third for him. He's a Calder candidate. And, I mean, Furland, you know, we kind of knew what we were giving up when we gave away him. But he gave up a Norris guy and probably one of the best young defensemen in the league. And, so. and again, to that point is you give up Furland and then – 12 months later, you're on the hunt for a, another guy with grit, and so you bring in Lucic. Yeah, so it's like, and again, even the Lucic thing, you look at that in a vacuum this year, how it's worked out. It's been okay. He's been he's been fine. As a player. As a player, he's, he's been fine. Been a, he's starting to find an effective part of his game yeah. and actually contribute to the But if you look at it success. as a whole, like, oh, shit, we got this guy. You can't buy him out. We might have to protect him in the expansion draft. It's just like when you look at these things from a, from a farther away, a lot of them make less sense than they do if you look at them just with, like, clo- what's close-up vision? Close-sightedness. What is that called? Near-sightedness. Near-sightedness. <laughs> so, that's... But, yeah, if you back up and you look at the entire... The entire li- body of the, work. The entire linear... As a, yeah. Yeah, linear perspective, move by move by move. I think what the point that you're making is this seems to be coming pretty evident is that does he have an overall vision? And maybe, maybe he does. And maybe other GMs do but maybe it's hard to maintain that like i don't know like well it just doesn't seem like he's building towards anything right like it's like again all these moves are so reactionary like i don't see the pieces coming together like it just like it kind of reminds me of like what bergevin does in montreal where it's just like swapping out player for players get this guy get that guy get this guy when it's like it just doesn't make sense like even take the pittsburgh penguins very different situation they've got two of the best players who've ever played but it's like the vision there is okay we've got Crosby and Malkin we're going for it every year while they're in their prime like if you look at what the New York Rangers do it's like they're like hey we're you know we're taking a break here we're gonna rebuild through youth drafting trade-off it's like you know what a lot of these teams are up to when you look at their moves overall even with the Leafs I know they're having a tough year but it's like you can kind of see what Dubas is doing right he's got a vision of building around his top guys but I don't know what Brad Schlieving is doing. Like, I just don't. I, I've, I've never really known. It's never really built to anything. Right. And then the thing is, he keeps talking. Oh, we need top six, top six, top six. Doesn't get him, 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 doesn't get him. Defenseman, defenseman, let him go. Defenseman, let him go. Defenseman, let him go. Defenseman, let him go. It's just like, what is this weird cycle with him? So, I guess there's a couple other ways to look at it. Like, if you're a GM of a national hockey team, I mean, depending on what team you're managing... They're going to be at a certain point in their current cycle. They might be in a rebuild cycle. They might be a cup contender. They might be in between. We're obviously in between. But probably where you are as a team, that's going to determine what kind of, how many years of a vision you do have. And I don't know. I Like like you said, it's not like he's he's out there explaining to the fan base what that vision is and what we should expect yeah. and what we're trying to do. And maybe he intentionally does that. Maybe, maybe it's part of keeping us, you know, cards closer to his chest and, and not letting everybody else kind of know but I don't, I don't know um but i don't know did you look at if you're a gm is like how long is your like if you're if you're if you're rutherford yeah the gm of Pittsburgh. Well, like how is he he's like a literally like a reanimated corpse i don't even know how he's still alive and he's like getting guys like zucker and is he looking is he are these guys if you're a perennial contender are you just looking one year at a time obviously not you're still always building for the yeah. future. You're always collecting assets, but I like that's kind of where I don't know. Like where, what, how big of a vision? How many years should you have? I guess it depends on where you're at. But like, well, it's like you always say that, like, if you were a GM, you'd have the serial killer every possible scenario board in your in yeah. your office and just like look at it and study it and and just like Doctor Strange, look every single possible reality outcome. It's like. I just don't see much much of a cohesive vision for in what Bradley Living's doing. So, and some people just don't have. It come, everybody's unique. Some individuals have vision, some don't. I don't. I'm more like the next few steps ahead of me. I got that figured out. Well, and then again, like I don't want to pin this all on Bradley Living. Like I know it's stems from ownership, right? Like their desire to make the first round and get those get those big bucks, get those two games of playoff revenue. Hey, you know what it's like yeah. being in the in-between with the owners on top of you and the employees and the players it's underneath It's not you. a good place to be. But, I mean, all to say, like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But the moves yesterday, when you look at the fact that Vincent Trocek was available, he's a guy 
who seemingly checks every single box of a player Brad Schilling's been coveting for well over two years. Like, go get him. I don't get it. Like, that's the other thing that speaks to a vision is, like, you know what you want and you go get it. Like, that's why I don't give him a pass for this he's tried. It's like, if, you have a, if you're a true visionary, I mean, if you have a true vision, you know what you want and you're going to go get it. Like, it still has to make sense and still work logistically. But I mean, like, go get it. So if you were to rate Brad Tree Living's work at the deadline this year out of five, what, what would you give him? I'd give it like a 2.8. Yeah. <clears throat> like it was, again, in a vacuum, it's fine. Yeah, because I, I got two scores here. In a vacuum, if you're looking at just this, where are we at right now in the snapshot of the season? I'd give him a 3.5 out of five. Because yeah. I think in the short term anyways, you made your team better. Yeah, for sure. Gustafson's a really he's yeah he's a solid player. I don't think we necessarily overpaid for what we got. No, in and fact, I'm, the opposite. I and I'm and I'm always a fan of that on both sides of the spectrum, not overpaying for what you do get, as well as declining to do something instead of overpaying. Yeah, which is what he did last year. So for that, he's got some. He's you know he passes that. But like you said, the biggest thing is like you didn't acquire. What the true need of the yeah. team was in order to push you to another level. Like, and again, checks a guy that could have you could have stayed on the team for the next two years at least. Like, what are you trying to do here? Is the question I want to like. I guess the answer is we're just trying to make the playoffs this year. Like, I don't. Trocheck helps you do that. I don't know how. Like, but I kind of thought you know you want to build a sustainable winner. Like, it just I I don't know. It's like it just reeks to me of like we're just trying to get into the playoffs instead yep. of make our team better over the long term. So I think if you back out and you look at things and from the broader perspective, yeah, exactly. I'll give him a two out of five because what do we see? What kind of building do we see actually happening? It's just, just kind of like, I don't know what we're doing. Well, again, me either. Like I, that's why, and again, like I wouldn't even be so critical. Like the forward one was the one that was like, oh, here we go again. Cause if you listen to the last one, we were talking about like, what's he going to do? I'm like, I guarantee he's going to just go get some random defenseman for like a fourth round pick. There, there it goes. And I mean, I wouldn't even mind it so much if we hadn't have seen we hadn't seen this script play out already. Like, how many years in a row has he acquired a defenseman that he just lets walk at the end of the year for nothing? And it's like fourth round pick for Derek Forward, whatever. But it's just like we saw him do that last year, and then just let him walk. It just seems pointless to me. It's just like him like doing stuff for the sake of doing it, right? Yeah. So like, if I again, if you look at it in a broader with, with farther back. You see, oh, he did this exact same thing last year and then just let this guy walk for nothing and then ended up signing Michael Stone again. It's like we're in a f- fucking time loop right now. Yeah. Like, is this going to happen again? I think you're going to let Forbert walk and then some, then like, let's say Valamecki gets hurt again next next year and you're like, oh shit, we better sign Stone again. <laughs> it's just, it's, ha- it's the same thing happened last year. I think one of the best ways to really describe our mental angst here is. If you're, if you, you know, this is a business. Sports are just like business as well. It's life. It's all that stuff. In a business or an organization, if you want the the makeup of the organization, whatever that looks like, so you got employees and you got managers, you got this, that, whatever, the organization of a whole. If you want it to be a successful tra- franchise, if you want to be like the New York Islanders of the, was it late 80s, 70s, 80s? Late 70s. The Edmonton Oilers of the 80s. The Chicago Blackhawks of recent, An actual dynasty. Then, just like in a business, in an organization, there's got to be a really clear vision for everybody yeah. to really rally behind, buy into. And sometimes the vision is not as great as others, other people's visions. But as long as it's clear... People can rally behind yeah. it, and it creates a cohesiveness. And I just think, from a fan's perspective, we don't know what that is, and it's really hard to jump on board with the organization as a whole. I'm gonna always root for the team and the players, yeah. But that's, I mean, and that's, I think, probably the argument why I think we're the same. To us, I don't really put too much onus on the players for this shit season. I put more of it on the actual organization as a whole. And the management, totally. from the general manager down to the head coach. Again, like it comes in, comes back to what you keep saying is like, okay, so how is this the player's fault? Because last year they were great. He didn't add because they were great. And then again this year, 
Doesn't add, even though they suck, because they suck. Not that they suck, but they've been middling. It's like, so what is your, what's going on here? Like, what? Well, and that's always. When do you make the team better? That's always Never? Been, that's always been my analysis is like, and why is the team underachieving? Because we are, un, I think we're underachieving a lot more this year than we overachieved last year. I, I agree with I that. Think Last year is probably more of an accurate measurement of what this team is actually capable of. So what's the difference? It's it is it just because Johnny and Monty aren't going? Because I always sit here and ask, well, why aren't they? And I keep coming back to this. I mean, this is the argument we're making is like, what are they buying into? Do they know? I don't think they do because there's really nothing to buy into. Like, what is the vision? They're probably sitting there like. If he doesn't add when if he doesn't add when we tie a franchise record in 40 years and finish first in the West, second only to the best regular season of all time. If he doesn't add then, what the fuck? Who is this? What are we doing? Who are we? Like, you know what I mean? Exactly, it's existential crisis shit. Like I just always look at it from a leadership perspective and to me, there's a huge question mark there. And maybe it's because we're on the outside looking in. And that's maybe Brad True Living has made it clear to this team. So maybe it does come back to Monty and Johnny. But he does, sure doesn't make it clear to the fan base. So well, even it's, if, it's for, because of that, it's harder for me yeah. to stay in his corner instead of the players. I'm in the players' corner right now. Yeah, I'm not in his. Me too. I'm not in the organization's corner. Like, right now. and it just bugs me because, like, you put out a tweet the other day of like what other teams have added over the past two years, and it's like, can you imagine if we netted one of those guys? Like, look at Vegas for example, and I know they're having a bit of a tough season, but I mean, okay, so they had Marshazo, Carlson, Riley Smith, some great players. Fucking added Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Paul Stastny to that lineup. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine the Calgary Flames if they'd even added one of those guys? Like, you're telling me they wouldn't be a better team if they added one, if not, like, three guys comparable. Like, I just don't buy that argument where it's like, oh, he tried at least. It's like, can you imagine if this team had three, like, even one more legitimate player? We'd be great. Like, and again, like, oh, Johnny Money's struggling this year. I guess that's that's why you don't just have, that's why you're not playing with just two players on your team, generally. That's why you have a group of 23 guys, because, you know, it's it's a team sport, last time I checked. So, I don't know. Where I'm going with this, but all to say is like, I don't, I don't really get what's going on here. Yeah, and I mean, even if he had, that's the other thing too. It's like, because I think from my perspective, I was like, well, it, it's pretty clear to me that this team is not going to do much damage in the playoffs this year with the struggles. So why not acquire some assets, pull a St. Louis from a few years ago, trade some guys like Jankowski and Hamannick, and one of the eight billion bottom six forwards you have. Like, why not even trade Zarnik? He's just sitting in the minors. Get something. You didn't do that either. And you didn't buy big. And it's like, you're just doing nothing again. I don't get it. You're just like doing these marginal things that, sure, maybe Gustafson helps you get to the playoffs. Maybe win a couple games. But I mean, is this is Eric Gustafson make you a Stanley Cup contender and fix the fact that your top six is still lacking? No. He doesn't. So I don't know. I don't get it. So let's go into the players. Okay, so we'll go Gust- into... We'll, let's, let's start with Gustafson. We'll go with both. We'll just tell you like what the conditions were because they were a little weird. All right. So Gustafson makes 1.2 mil against the cap. He's, a, and he's an expiring UFA. Like We're just going to let Hamannick, Brody, Gustafson, Forbert all walk to UFA and have Valimaki and Anderson and Hannafin, I guess. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Anyways, makes 1.2 mil. So they gave up a conditional third, so it's a little weird. So essentially, Chicago is going to receive the higher of the two picks between the Flames' own third-round pick in 2020 or if the Lucic-Neal third-round pick comes back to us. So if Lucic, if Neal scores 21 goals and 10 more than Lucic, we will get that pick. It will be the higher of those two picks. At this rate right now, because it sounds like James Neal is still another three weeks out, maybe four, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he finishes the season with 19 goals. That's <laughs> probably what's going to Bet you he scores 20. He probably just, scores 20. Bet you it's 20. Probably scores 20 for sure. So anyways, yeah, Neal has to score 21 goals and <laughs> 10 more than, than Lucic. So 
for us to get that pick. So if that did happen, they would get the higher of the two picks. If that doesn't happen, which Neil's injury... It looks like as long as Edmonton places above us in the standings... Yeah, it'll be our third-round pick currently. Yeah. So I think either way. That's the condition on there. As for the player, like, I'm kind of surprised that he... Like, I guess he's an expiring UFA and stuff. But, I mean, he put up 60... Every, 60 how many people have told you he had 60 points last year? Like, what? every goddamn hey. person on earth. It's, yeah, that, yeah, it's 60 points! That it, oh, I didn't know that. 60 points on the uh, as a defenseman is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying it's like... <laughs> everybody's telling me how he has 60 points. Anyways, he, he had a really good year last year playing for the Blackhawks, who, like, had nobody back there. So I, the, he got They a, were a lot worse last year than they are this yeah, year. Yeah, he got a ton of power play time. The, the, I think that's going to be what tilts this in either direction is how effective he can make our PP because our PP right now is pretty lackluster. Well, I don't even know if our PP just dependent on the players is the setup. Like the setup is horrendous right now, but it, I sure it, hope he it's can. It's true, but it almost seems like he brings an actual threat from the point. Yeah, well, which is like we don't have a threat from the point. The way right I've now. kind of described him as as a as a player as a whole, he's like Hannafin, except he's got a way better shot and he's worse defensively. How much worse defensively like, is he? If you look at his RAPM, his expected goals against are pretty bad. Yep. Like, pretty bad. That's on a Blackhawks team. I don't think the Flames defensively are much better than the Blackhawks. So, he's, if he plays third-pairing sheltered minutes, lots of power play time, good. But, I mean, in his own zone, he looks pretty iffy. Like, so, you, know, you know how critical I've been of Hannafin? What's the over-under that they're going to fucking start him with Hannafin? <laughs> oh, guaranteed that's what they'll do. Guaranteed. No, they won't. Apparently, he's playing with Forbert tonight. But, yeah, if he can bring some more offense from the defense, because I do think that has been a contributing factor to our shit offense this year, is that, well, the D haven't been jumping in the rush because there is no rush. Hey, man, I watching some of his highlights last night, he's all in front of the net. But the thing, yeah, the thing I really like is that he does have, a, he's got a shot. And he's that's got a something shot. the Flames power play lacks in a big way. It sounds like he actually doesn't mind playing in front of the offensive net. Like, when's the last time you saw one-timer on a Flames power play that wasn't a muffin from Hannafin floating up into the fifth row? So I think that's a big plus. So I'd say he's like, he's Hannafin. He's and I think, honestly, that's going to be, that's going to either tilt it one direction or the other. If he doesn't bring any more effectiveness to the power play, yeah. then what, what, is the what did you get? Yeah. So we'll see, I guess. Um... I mean, I'm excited to watch him play. He's a good player. Again, he had 17 goals last year. It's really his only notable year in the league. The year previous, he had 5 and 16 points, and then he had played in Rockford a bit. So he's kind of an older guy, a bit of a late bloomer. But Another Swede. Oh, is he from Sweden? Oh, yeah. So he'll pro- oh, so Oh, that's why they got him. So he can mentor Shillington and Rasmus Anderson. And he's probably friends with Michael Backlund. <laughs> you oh, were- wow. Hey, I know you're being facetious right now, but... Literally, those are headlines right now. I mean, when did you it, read them? Well, I read Eric Francis's tweet. Oh yeah, right. We were looking at that yeah. yesterday. God. All right. So then, where's Forbert from? Then is he from Canada? Well, the because no one's made a mention of it. He's probably he's probably from Canada, so he'll probably be able to mentor who's Canadian on the team on defense. Hamannik and Geo. There we go. Anyways, for Forbert, the Flames give up literally what they gave up for Fanberg last year. It's a f- conditional fourth-round pick. So the condition being that the 2021 fourth-round pick will be upgraded to a 2022 third-round pick if the Flames reach the conference this finals big, this year. It's a big condition. It's a huge condition. And Forbert plays in half those games or if he re-signs in Calgary. So we got to make it to the third round. we got to make it to the third round. He has to play in half the games, or we have to re-sign him. That's a big condition. He makes a bit of chunk of money. So LA actually retained 25% of his contract, and he still makes just under 1.9 mil. I'm surprised he makes that much for such a, a middling defenseman. So forward, essentially what he's a replacement-level defenseman, I'm totally, I again, I'll be totally okay with both of these moves if it means we never see Michael Stone again. Like, I swear and to God. And I honestly don't think we will. He like And again, I don't have anything personally sh- against Michael Stone. I would be shocked if Brad has not seen enough. But Michael Stone is terrible. And the fact that we got both these guys, if, if it means we never see Stone again, I'm okay with it. Because at least Forbert is like above replacement level in his own zone. So that's a plus for me. He has played with Drew Doughty his whole yeah. tenure in he, L.A. He's fine. So 
he did, he's the, he's a good bottom pairing defenseman. So I I think he's a better he's he's a way better option than Stone or Davidson or Yellison or any of those guys to to swap out Shillington with. I just hope Shillington doesn't get buried because I know he's been struggling lately. But I think forward's a way better option to swap him out well, when, he, when you need to. Yeah, I know. I, where are you at with Shillington? Because I know he probably doesn't belong anywhere other than the third pairing. I mean, with the extra ice time he's got with the injuries, he's kind of been exposed a bit. He has, like yeah. you said, he's been struggling a bit with that. But he ultimately, he's still a young guy. He still can move the puck well, and I, he's fu- he's been everybody's crushing him. It's like he's not been good, but it's like he's nowhere near Michael Stone fall off the face of the earth bad at defense. So, I I think if you can spot play Shillington. Like, I would still prefer to see him in the line over Forbert just because he does move the puck so well, he does skate so well. But I think on nights that he is struggling, it's nice to have a more defensively sound option sure. like Forbert to, to put in his place the next game. So, And like like we said earlier, in a vacuum, you made your decor stronger. Yeah, you, you increase your chances of getting to the playoffs this year, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I and will. You, you traded Davidson, too, I guess, for future considerations. Yeah, I will say this. I watched the interviews with Gustafson and Forbert earlier. Yeah, and it's it it, it it's kind of it's cool. I mean, it's not. It always gets me a little excited to see some new faces, some fresh blood. Well, that's the other thing too. Like, I know you're going. I don't know if I know where you're going with this, but it's like it's good for the players. Even like, yeah. can you imagine if Brad had added somebody last year at the deadline? They would have been jazzed up. I mean, they Come added on. they added Phantomberg, which is the Forbert of this year. Yeah, if you would have just done Forbert, like like I think this year he at least you got Gustafson, which is like the players probably think, oh, this guy could actually do some yeah. stuff here. Help our power play addresses so, a need. Yes. Siri, just knock it off. Siri, I want to get my Siri to beat Brad Tree Living. And I can be like, remember to get soup and milk. Okay. So I think, I don't know. I'm excited about it. And, I, and, I, I, I'm and excited for whatever reason, I think probably people are like this as well, yeah. is that when you hear new players come over and they're excited to be here, yeah. it excites me. Well, again, it's, it's, it's like, it's, ooh, he actually wants to be here. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> you want new guys in your team. Like, that's what's always been exciting about, I think that's where we get this allure of Bradstreet living from as a fan base. It's always in on everything. Because it's exciting to think, oh, our GM could get anybody. Well, that's like why it's nice to have new guys, and that's it's why the deadline. Scene. If like you don't do anything, it's really depressing. It's totally like, do you think they're happy in Toronto that they did Dick? They're just like shit. This sucks. But how stoked do you think they are in Carolina? Right. To get Trocheck, they got that Brady Shea guy. Who else did they get? Somebody else. A defenseman. I don't remember. But how do you think? How do you imagine how stoked would be if he had gone and got Trocheck and Gustafson? I would have been so stoked about this team moving forward, but. How do, think, how do you think Vegas is stoked? Leonard. Oh, shit. Yeah, they got Leonard too, eh? Vegas is scary. They're going to be scary. Anyways, like, I, I, I actually, like, I didn't mind what the Oilers did. Oh. Much it pains me to say. Man, I I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast. I know we, you and I were talking about it. Early in the season when you could tell Detroit was going to have a shit season. Yeah. I was already starting to look at who's available. I don't think Anthony C was coming off a contract. But I was like, if we could target him, if we could get him, him somehow, that'd be fucking awesome. Well, I mean, they didn't have to give up much to get him. I think it is like, I think I personally, if you're the Flames looking at their situation, I wouldn't be crazy about giving up two, two second round picks for him. But I mean, for where the Oilers are at, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. Well, they're in desperate need. Yeah. And he's fast. He can play with McDavid. He is actually, is he an RFA at the end of the year? He is an RFA at the end of the year, so he's still under team control. But I mean, I, I actually like the Tyler Ennis trade for them even more, but we already have six million bottom six players. I don't think so the Mike, I don't think the Mike Green. He, Mike Green probably won't do much. Like, it's, it's kind of, they probably are too excited about that, like name value. Probably he might. Supply some relief on the power play in, yeah, in Clefbaum's bomb. absence, but yeah. Anyways, I think overall yesterday the the Hurricanes did the best. Like I know they gave up a little too much for Brady Shea, but that wasn't even their first round pick. That's the pick they acquired in the Patrick Marlowe trade. So I think you can forgive them a little bit for that. Um, but dude, I'm just hurt. Like imagine 
adding Trocek to your team. Just like on a team that's already stacked at center, we got Aho, Stahl. Ugh, I'm super jealous. Anyways. Well, there's always this offseason. Right. There's always the offseason. This offseason is going to be really interesting, though. This has got to be it, right? Like, this has got to be the offseason. He has to do like, what's something. He, and what's he going to do on the back end? See, and that's what that's what kind of worries me is, like, and we now that all, he has cap space opening up. And we should also talk about Valimaki. <sighs> so, if you haven't heard yet, there's a stipulation. If Valimaki doesn't play one professional game all season, NHL or AHL, then that counts against... It gives him an accrued year in the NHL, but not a played year. So he that means if he doesn't play one game, we don't have to protect him next in next year's expansion draft, which would be huge which for the be team. Absolutely enormous. Now, if you weigh that against he's skating on his own, right? Like how far away is he? He's well, probably I mean, it's Feb in the February, like eesh. you think he's probably two, three weeks, maybe three and a half, but he's gonna be much longer than that. But then you're pushing your like the season's almost over. And you just acquire two defense. I, I guess you have to take it on a week-to-week basis. Like, if, if you're starting to trend upwards, like, here's the best-case scenario. Tampa's already done it. Tampa's in second place. Yeah. They'll probably end up in first place. Oh, yeah, they've been insane. They've been, like, 23-2 and two in their last And they struggled yeah. hard out of the gate to get going. Mm-hmm. So, if let's say, best-case scenario, we can bloom, obviously, later than they have. But even if we go, like, how many games we got? Like, 20 games? 19 games left. So. If you win 15, at, geez, that seems like a tall task. How about 13? 13. 13, 5. 13, 5, and 1. Like, that's that would be a pretty solid last quarter of the season. Yeah. 13, 5, and 1, you're rolling a bit. I think I was thinking about this earlier. This week. This is a huge week. This is like the. This nu- is the make or break week. Of this I think week. it is. This is your make or break week. Because yeah. you got Boston tonight, you, you got, got Nashville. And then you got Tampa. Nashville, you're chasing. Jesus, Tampa, oh, man, that scares me. So here's here's who you got this week. You got Boston tonight, Nashville on Thursday night, Tampa Bay on Saturday, and then a back-to-back. Of course, it's a two. You got back-to-back 2 p.m. games. Two, uh, oh, my two, God. Two back-to-back afternoon me? games in Florida. So if you, it's, it's still kind of dicey, though, because if you put up, if you can accrue 26 points, so let's say you get 13 wins. It only gets you to 96, which I get. you think gets it done. In the Pacific, that gets it done for sure. In the Pacific, that gets it done for sure. Especially the Canucks without Markstrom now. But, so. I mean, even when you come back from this road trip, you got Columbus, Arizona, Vegas, Islanders, Jets. You should be able to beat most of those teams. The thing is, we've been so much better on the road than at yeah, home. which is weird. But I think this is a make-or-break week. This is this road trip. This if you, is it. Like this is it. You can't. If you you, if got, you go four and zero on this road. Well, not four and zero, but if you go Detroit, Boston, Nashville, Tampa, and you can get three of four. So you, there's four games left. There's a possible eight points left. I think even if you can get five out of eight yeah. in this it's in this stretch, because this is probably your toughest stretch of the season left. You might be in good shape. But I mean, dude, you got to like they didn't. So you really, need two wins and a and a tie. Yeah. Or tie a, or a loss, overtime loss. We'll see, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm tonight's huge. It's kind. Of, it's weird. Like again, like how many times have we said about this season? There's no turning point narrative. Like there isn't. You just gotta win. It's all that matters. Win. Just, just win. Just win. Okay. Do we want to review any of the games that happened while we took this week on hiatus? Yeah. Let's just do a quick re. Like we let's not go in depth. Yeah. Um. By the way, you were gone. Where'd you go, Victoria? Uh, Victoria, beautiful weather. <laughs> were, I'm moving to BC. You were MIA. Oh man, it was great. People were concerned People for were your concerned. health. Brash living had me killed. If if you're listening to this and you were concerned about Michael's health and well-being, he's okay. I'm still the same. Yeah, like you, I'm you still distraught. You unplugged for seven days, and what'd that do? You, you come back, it didn't and you're anything. still the miserable person that I remember. <laughs> yeah, and I, I blew up yesterday on the live, too. So You had an aneurysm yesterday. <laughs> I was freaking right, after, right out. Right after unplugging for a week in beautiful weather. Yeah. I don't I don't know if, if it really makes a difference. It's It doesn't make a difference hockey-wise. Everything else in my life, a little bit, for okay. sure. But hockey-wise, no. All right, so since we've been gone, we lost to Chicago 8-4. Oh, my God. That was a rough one. 
That was a rough one, and that was rough because you played a good game. I thought they played fine, and it was just like one of those weird ass games. It's just the defense, man. Yeah, I think that was the goal. That was the first game since Geo and that was like holy shit. We, yeah, yeah. never again should we play Michael Stone. That was the first game with Geo and Hamnick at a lineup where you were like, Jesus Christ, when are these guys back? (laughs) That was the first game I've ever been like, holy shit, can we please get Travis Hamnick in playing top four minutes ASAP? Right? (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about that. We're like, is Travis Hamnick actually that good? Well, obviously, he's better than a lot of these other guys. And I think the key is he is above replacement level. So oh, yeah. But it makes the, a the fucking Flames, big difference. The Flames dominated that game, though, for the most part. 40, oh, shot them 42-28. Possession metrics were way better. Way more high-danger chances. That was just a one of those games where it's like, shit, the bottom pairing. And, I mean, even a guy like Shillington had a great game. So and that was just goaltending and, like, some bad luck. And the silver lining there, too, was Sam Bennett had two goals in replacement yeah. of... Ryan on, on third, we'll third line center. Why the hell isn't he playing on third line center tonight? He's not? No. What, what are the lines? It's, they're same as they always are, except Bennett's with Janko and... Uh, Bennett's demoted back down to the fourth. Yeah, back line. to the fourth. So it's Ryan Lucci's doing And this, this... Listen, if you've been listening, listening to us for a bit, you already know this, but this is what we mean. It's like the underutilization of players, even in Jankowski. Like, if you're going to underutilize them anyways... Then fucking trade him and get something back. I mean, exactly. It was, it was a seller's market. Like you tell me, you even if you, you didn't, couldn't have got a third, fourth, fifth round pick for Mark Jankowski. Even if you didn't go out and acquire a top six guy this deadline, couldn't you have acquired something that you could use later on, maybe in the off season? Pick up a third round pick for somebody. And this is why it just keeps coming back and back to for like it's the organization, the management from the general manager down to the head coach, the utilization of what you have. Why? If Bennett had two great games in center and now he's back to the fourth line, why? If Bennett is going to be a fourth line guy for you, why is he on your team? Trade him. You're telling me you couldn't say to fucking Florida, sorry to swear, you couldn't say, hey, we'll give you Sam Bennett and TJ Brody for Trocek. You're telling me that doesn't get it done 10 times out of 10? If he's just sitting on your fourth line, trade him. And then it it just spirals right back into what the point I was making earlier. You think Sam Bennett's happy about it? Do you think it boosts morale throughout the lineup when you have multiple players on multiple, like on consistently, consistent nights? Just like, where do I fit in here? You know how hard that is? Do you know how hard it is to live your life and you don't know what the hell you're doing? I know because I don't. And it's hard. Like, he scored two goals and he played two really good games in center. Leave him there. We know what it's like to work for a business that has no vision. Like, why are we showing up to work? We don't even know what's it's happening. almost impossible. So imagine that on a macro level, and then for a guy like Bennett, on a micro level for like two years. Like, come on. Get this guy playing center where he belongs. He doesn't belong in the fourth line. No, he doesn't. Like, especially when you have Lucic playing ahead of him and Ryan playing ahead of him. Again, Lucic's been fine. Ryan's a good player. But Bennett's weight gives you way more. And like, fuck, whatever. Okay, anyways. Anyways. All right, so, so then you a, a pretty like how long have we been going win loss win loss win loss win loss all year, all year, dude. Except for that seven game heater, post Bill Peters. So then you follow up an eight four shellacking. It looked like you were going to lose again yeah, against that Anaheim. Was, that looks dire. We were down three one early in the third period. That looks dire, and like I don't get the the goaltending starts have been a little odd to me too. Like. Well, I, I didn't like how the goaltending was handled against Chicago. The goaltending itself is a big. It's I get it. No one's really you, when you as soon as you think Talbot is like the new solid goaltender, he just, he's okay. Yeah. As soon as you think Ritter, like he's okay. And I mean, a lot of it comes back to team defense. I think it's really hard to gauge who's the better goalie actually right now because defensively like how many times in the lo- well look at the two goals Detroit scored like what is Stone doing on either of those plays how many times in the, since Gio's been out have we seen David Riddick just glare at Michael Stone like dude what what are you doing <laughs> like he reamed him out in LA so yeah I wouldn't take too much stock in the terrible team defense for the ter- for the pretty subpar goaltending lately but so, I mean, a, a really good comeback against the Ducks. Like, that was the team we know. And fucking Manji Pani. Yeah. First career hat trick. There's my boy. There's my boy, Andrew. And then, I mean, the Boston game was a shit show. 
Okay, I was that, like, that was like an that was like literally if you could take a game that exemplifies this team this season, that was it. I was there. I'll tell you what I saw. Analytics aside, we can. I don't even know if you kept track. I didn't even look. Did you, were you watching? The I games? watched the. I did not watch. I watched the third period of the Ducks game, and I watched most of the Boston game. So here's what I saw. He came out obviously guns blazing. Michael Backlund scores two goals in like the first minute and a half. You're up two nothing. Good job. People were pumped. I was like going crazy. High-fiving like mad. I was like tapping people on the... This bald guy in front of me. I was like tapping him on his bald head <laughs> to give me a goddamn high-five. Like it was, it was good. Like especially there was so many Boston fans there. It was, ugh. What's with that? Then it, it, this is the team identity. Can't hold a lead for very long. Bergeron gets weird bounce off, off the boards. 2-1. You go back up 3-1. I'm losing it again. Shit. We're up again. Bouncing back, baby. Three minutes later. Two minutes after that. So, and this is, I think you can use the Boston measurement. What what I saw watching the game is how Boston responded. Yeah, totally. You can tell why they're that's a pro tops team right in the league. They're yeah. a pro team. Because they went down early, and they responded really quickly, and then they went down again, they, and they didn't panic, they didn't fold. They're just like fuck that. Like you could tell the response from the Boston Bruins was like, "Fuck that, we're not, we're not going down. We're not folding. We're not going down two nothing. You're not going to beat us." And they came back and scored, tied it up, and then went ahead. And it's just like, where's our fucking response when a team? Says fuck that, you're not gonna beat us. They come back, have they done tied up ever and year? then they go ahead. Why don't the flames be like, fuck that? You're not gonna fucking beat us after we fucking let you back in the like come on. I mean that's been the flames way this so, season, so that's from sitting there in the stands, that's what I saw. Is that the Boston Bruins decided that they're not gonna get beat. And we were okay with that. It's generally how it goes, so and holy shit, we didn't even mention my other big... I'm sorry, I was just thinking of Boston. They got Andre Casse for, like, nothing. A first-round pick in David Backus. That's the guy you wanted. Brad! Not that I'd be willing to give up a first-round pick this year in a deep draft. But, I mean, they literally got rid of a terrible contract and gave up a first to get a guy who could be a legit 20-goal scorer well, for the next five years. You're going to give up a 31st overall pick. Like, my God. So, if you're Boston... You could have added Vincent Trocek and cost your team... For like next to nothing. That's really annoying. Anyways, I, I, think, I, I, I was at the point with the boss game where I was like, yeah, big surprise. I'm never watching a Flames game again. And it left my mind. So, And then I think Detroit was one of those focal games where it's just like, if they lose to Detroit right before the deadline, like we need to sell. Yeah. Well, and the thing was, like, if that was any other team you're playing, you probably don't win. They didn't play that good. Well, the thing is, is like... They played fine. They're up early again. And the thing is, is, like, do they know how to play with a lead? No, they don't, obviously. <clears throat> they, like, I'm pretty sure they're still one of the league leaders in trailing, so they don't play with leads often. Because they actually were pretty excellent until they went up 2 nothing, and then about five minutes after that, they just got so sloppy. Yeah, like, the second period was so bad. Their third period was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I didn't like the third period, <clears throat> especially when they... Like, I don't know what Mike Stone's doing on either of those goals. Like, he gets burned... On the Larkin goal, like again, like I, I, like, like, what are you doing? Like here, guy? here's here's Michael Stone. You got center ice. You're backing up. You're watching Larkin. Like he got beat from center a, ice. Get a puck chipped around def- your other defenseman Brody. You have the inside track on Larkin the entire way direct to the net, and then he like, I don't know what he did. He just, is he just slow? He didn't like, keep the inside track. Yeah, He's no, like, I don't need the inside it track. It was, and turned around. Let me take a few steps over towards brutal. you. It was really bad. So then thank God for managing Penny. But, I mean, the the second goal, too, is brutal because, I don't know, like, net front defense, generally you, you, you want to clear that out. Like, Bertuzzi standing all alone in the slot, like, right above the crease, calling for a tip. You can see him visibly call for it with his stick in his mouth. And Stone just, like, skates right by him. Like, what are you doing, my guy? Come on. Anyways, thank God for managing Penny because, holy shit. Well, like, I thought we were losing to Detroit. Do you know why? He's had success. 
Because he fucking doesn't take a shift off. No. Like, when like, do you see him floating ever? Can the rest of our guys just play as hard as he plays? Right. Like, even 80% of the game? Yeah, like, he's... he's a, Boy, his, he might be in for... He better stop scoring here, because I don't want... He's going to be in for a big raise. Fuck sh- it. Chill out, Manjupani. Fuck it. I want to see him get it. Yeah, he should get it after Brad... Fucking toyed with him. Yeah, exactly. What was it, over $100,000? Yeah, it was like 100K. <laughs> Fucker. Anyways, I don't even know what to expect tonight, really. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if... They, you they're never great. Know. I wouldn't be surprised if they win. Again, like it's the weirdest team. I wouldn't be surprised if they ab- came Here. out. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out flying and won. I wouldn't be surprised if they got absolutely demolished, like ten nothing. Do you have a coin on you? <laughs> no. Let's let's sell Flip it. Flip right a now. coin. We'll sell it right now. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and barely lost. Wouldn't be surprised if they come out and barely like you never know with this team. All right, here's our coin. If it points towards you, okay, it's a win. I'm good with that. If it points towards me, heads heads or tails. Heads. Hey. They're going to win. They're winning, you guys. That's as simple as that. That's we, how you predict what this team's going to do. You tossed a pen, and it came, they're going to win. So there you go. You hear, heard it here first. So I don't know what to expect tonight. We'll see, I guess. And I guess the game's on in an hour, so you probably will know already by the time you listen to this. 